So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. You are now entering the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast, a show that uncovers what's fact, what's fake, and what's fun in the crazy world of pseudo archaeology. Hello and welcome to the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast, episode 132. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Kinkella, and tonight we're going to hang out in 1984 and discuss Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. All right, so I'm recording this in December. I think it's December 18th or something like that. And Christmas is soon, and this will maybe come out December 20th. I am classically late with my recordings. So if the network people edit this on time, and by on time, I mean totally late at the last minute because I sent it to them too late, then you will hear this on the 20th. Definitely blame them, though, not me. I mean, it's not, I'm the talent. Okay. So whatever I say goes. So I thought that I would do, since it being Christmas and this kind of thing, I think that a lot of us might be watching movies and I'm like, you know what? I haven't done Temple of Doom. So I thought I'd just talk about that. And for me, this one holds a lot of interest in various ways. First, I saw Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom in the theater when I was 12. Right. And I was pretty sure about this anyway. But I looked I looked back and I believe that Temple of Doom was released on May 23rd, 1984. And I do remember that Star Wars movies and Indiana Jones movies tend to be released released right in that late May world. And I remember that because my brother's birthday is like right there. And my brother's four years younger than me. And his birthday, it would always be like the day after the movie release or on the movie release. It was always that time. So I remember this and I think I think we're going to look at it through my eyes of the time. Because I remember this, man. So I'm 12, right? I'm what we call a tween in today's lingo. See, I hang with the kids. Tween. But here, when I'd seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, that's, so that comes out in 1981, I'm like nine, right? At that time, I'm a kid, right? I have a kid brain, and I think kid thoughts. And I still loved Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, it was awesome. I come into Temple of Doom with a teenage brain. There's a difference there. And honestly, you guys, I remember largely when I shifted from child to teen. There's there's like a month or two there, but a handful of things happened. I swear to you, I remember watching the Van Halen video jump and that came out, I believe, January 1st, 1984. So it, it came out, you know, in sort of in celebration of 1984 
the album it's from is from 1984. But I remember watching that video for the first time with David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen. And I swear to you guys, at the beginning of that video, I was a child. And four minutes and four seconds later, I was a teenager. And what I mean by that is I was watching the video and I was just like, that's cool. That's the coolest thing I've ever seen. I want to be that. And I don't even know what that is, but that I want that. I want to do that. Like that is the awesomest thing ever. Right. So it's, I swear to God, it's the, that jump video moment for me. And of course, right around the same time, I remember doing other things. Like I was looking at girls and then I was looking at girls. You know what I mean? So my eyes, my, my, the way I see this stuff is different with Temple of Doom. And so coming into it, you know, after I watched the movie, it was a mixed bag. And we'll get into it in a moment on what the mixed bag has in its bag, which is a mixture of good and bad. But there, there's aspects to this movie that it's not the greatest Indiana Jones movie ever. Let's let's be honest. It's it's I feel like. It opened a lot of doors to possibilities in Indiana Jones that should have remained closed. I think it destroyed forever the tone of what Indiana Jones was that that they did so well with Raiders of the Lost Ark. But I thought we'll just go through the movie because, again, I do have to remind you for the 50th time, I do have a film degree, dude. So, again, as always, if you disagree with me, you're just wrong because you don't have a degree. So how does the movie start? So this it still does follow a lot of the tropes. First, when it opens, we have the Paramount Mountain sign, you know, and it fades into a mountain image on a gong. Right. So good for them. They start with the mountain imagery. And the gong is part of this show in Shanghai, right? We, we see a card that says Shanghai 1935. And we go in and we see that sort of Busby Berkeley musical number that Cape Capshaw, who plays Willie Scott, that's the character's name, right? Cape, Cape Capshaw is like the, the lead in this, in this basically a music video for the MTV generation, right? And... I think the show starts out with a bang. I, I really like the number. I think it's cool. I think it's of the time. It's kind of pre-war. It kind of harkens back. Good for them. I think it, I think it really works. But then then quickly, we do get into the excitement. I do find that Temple of Doom is very James Bondy. <laughs> and we see this here. Because they're doing that sort of end of a previous adventure thing, just like James Bond, right? You're kind of starting on the move. So Indy's there in this club and he's, of course, talking to the bad guy and his henchman, right? And of course, he's trying to get like a jewel. And of course, things go poorly and we're sort of off onto this exciting kind of scene. And I do like this first scene hear this first sort of adventuresome, exciting scene where they drop 
the diamond in a bunch of ice. Right. So we're in this club and they dump a bunch of ice out of like a ice bucket. And so the jewel gets mixed up with the ice and they do this great sort of crawling through these bits of ice, trying to find the diamond. One guy kicks it. You know, it's I I love stuff like this because it doesn't rely on a ton of special effects. It's just fun and and silly, but cool. It, It does serve the story. Indiana Jones does need to get the diamond. Right. And so I just I think it works. I think that little bit works really, really great. And as we go through this sort of chase for the diamond, we also know that Indiana Jones has been poisoned and he needs the antidote. So it's this sort of diamond versus the antidote thing. And Kate Capshaw is, of course, has one of them at one time. Indiana Jones wants to trade. You guys get how this goes. Right. And again, it's it's exciting. It's fast paced. It's cool. But then. But then, friends, something happens where the tone of Indiana Jones is shifted forever. In order to escape this, Indy and Willie run, use the gong. The gong is spinning. If you can see the gong is rolling, right? A big, huge gong. They're running behind it. So the the bad guys are shooting at them. And of course, the bullets are are ricocheting off the gong. They run towards a window. They crash through the window and they're like four stories high. And then they fall down a series of awnings that break their fall all the way into falling into a car. (sighs) It's unbelievable, right? And so they're setting this precedent And I do think this is where it happens first, because in Raiders of the Lost Ark. This kind of thing never really happened. And I I can see how you could burn me on this. You'd be like, well, Kinkella, Indiana Jones was on the outside of a submarine. Or what about that last part where they opened the Ark? I know what you mean. But when we see Indiana Jones on the top of the submarine in Raiders, we don't see him then like on it the whole time or we don't see a scene of him holding on to the submarine while it goes underwater or something. It's just sort of understood that he has gotten into the submarine or has been able to use the submarine for transportation. Right. And the last scene in Rares of the Lost Ark is where they do allow the supernatural to come out and it's okay because it's contained. Right. I know not contained in the arc, but contained in the movie. You know what I mean? It, it's OK. They, they pop it out, then they put it back in. So the rest of the movie it has that believability feel to it. This time we're being intro to like, we're not going to be believable. And I think that's a real loss. You know, why do they do this? I think I think a special effects come in. That's a big reason why we see more of this. You know, we're going to use these special effects. Look at this great thing we can do. It's like, uh, yeah, but it's not real. So they fall into this car. And of course, driving the car is short round. One of the great sidekicks of all movies. They then go on a car chase because you need your car chase at Indiana Jones. And they end up at an airport. And the bad guy's name is Lao Che, right? And, and they get to this airplane and Indiana Jones... And Willie Scott get in just in time. And of course, Indiana Jones goes, nice try, Lao Che. And he closes the door and you see that the 
airplane is labeled Lao Che Airlines. I love that. I think that joke works. I think it's funny. But on in another tragic spin, one of my students. And it's the same student who asked about Contiki, whose name shall not be said. He owned a some wearing this literally like three weeks ago, a Lao Che Airlines T-shirt. And friends, I was gripped with jealousy. I may have been passed out after seeing that T-shirt, just all the jealousy in my body at one point. But that's the coolest T-shirt ever. A Lao Che Airlines T-shirt. Ah, oh, damn. Don't you hate it when your students are more creative than you? It's just... You know what? If he was a good student, he would have bought me that T-shirt and given it to me and not said he did. And then I wear it and then I get all the credit for the joke. But no, no. Students just don't understand how to treat their professors these days. Back to the movie, if I can keep going. So. Of course, they they get in the airplane and they're flying all the way to India. So it's this long airplane ride. And I bet a bunch of you guys remember this one. Speaking of unbelievable, of course, the pilots jump out with their parachutes. There's no parachutes and the plane is about to crash into a mountain. So Indiana Jones gets short round and Willie together. And the three of them jump out of a plane in a blow up raft that hasn't been blown up yet. And they blow it up as they float down and then they're fine. They've jumped out of an airplane with a, with a inflatable raft and then just hit some snow and they're fine. And then, then it slides down like a snow, snow covered mountain. Right. And then it falls off a huge cliff into some water like 500 feet below, you know, and everyone's okay. And it's like, oh, so unbelievable. And, you know, when they when they did this, this sort of break of tone where it's like, okay, now Indiana Jones is the world of unbelievable stuff. One of the reasons they give for doing it is they'll say stuff like it appeals to a younger audience, right? But I'm 12 watching this. And I swear to you guys, I remember this. I remember as a 12 year old going, oh, you know, I was not cheering along going, oh, that's so awesome. I was like, oh, God, that's so unbelievable. And so what you'll see, you know, people don't give kids enough credit. Kids are used as scapegoats for crappy movies, right? Oh, it's for kids. Oh, it's kid friendly. No, it's not. Kids like deep movies, too. Kids like maintenance of tone too. kids like to know that it's an sort of an adult movie. Right. And they're prepared for that. And they want that. Kids don't want to see something that's quote unquote made for kids because that's like secret code for this is a shit movie. Anyway, they they now they're in a river and they're just chilling on the river and they finally get to a village, right? And the village is all depressed, right? There's no food. They're starving. And they meet like the old man, sort of the, the chief or the leader of the village. And he tells them that things are going terribly there and they need to get the stone. They need to get the Shankara stone, right? That their village needs so things, so things will be better. And of course, this is, this is where we have 
if we're looking at the movie in terms of acts and in terms of sort of beats, this is the moment where act one is going to end and act two is going to begin, right? Act one is ending with, okay, now we know why we're here. Now we know what adventure we're going to go on. We've met all our characters and we're like, okay, we're going to go find the stone, the Shankara stone. Right. And so I will say there's, there's a bunch of cool quotes in Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom might have the best one liners throughout. I mean, I've already missed earlier on short round says no time for love. Dr. Jones famous quote it's almost pop culture reference now right and of course when short round asks what is the shankara stone indiana jones goes fortune and glory kid fortune and glory and i'll see you guys back on the flip side pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me nothing extra just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Welcome back to the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast, episode 132. And I have been discussing slash reviewing slash looking back at my 12 year old 1984 self with Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And we had just left off on the end of Act One, where we've had the whole scene in Shanghai. We've met our characters we've had the plane ride we've had a completely unbelievable jump out of a plane and now we know that we're looking for the shankara stone and i would say honestly barring the unbelievable moments in this movie so far so good i like the first part of temple of doom you know i like act one i like all the shanghai stuff i like again barring the unbelievable bits the the characters are good and and the obviously the acting's great it all makes sense it's fun it moves gets from place to place it it, it just it, it looks cool but act two my friends act two is where many movies go to die and this is one of them what do i mean by that all right so now it just slows down and, and not quite yet, but it's going to get real slow in a minute. So now we're on some elephants. If you guys remember this. And I think as you listen to this, we've all seen who hasn't seen Temple of Doom. Like if, if I go, Hey, Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom. And you're like, what? I don't really know that. It's like, are you, are you 12? You know, it's like, no, go watch Temple of Doom. But so I think we're reminiscing as we go. If you guys remember, it's like they're riding on elephants. They're kind of it's sort of a jungle scene. There's some vampire bats. They have to camp out. You got your various Willie screams at various animals. 
Oh, you got another famous quote, short round going, hey, lady, you call him Dr. Jones, right? (laughs) Willie accidentally grabs a real snake. It's like, "Ah, that would never happen. There's just, there's no reason for some of this, you know, the, um, and then of course they go, they finally get to the palace, right? Because we are moving along slowly. We need, we're looking for the Shankara stone. They get to the palace and then they have the gross out dinner, right? Where it's like, oh my God, it's a, it's it's more disgusting food to eat. And this scene, it feels so childish, man. I mean, again, it ends up eating monkey brains. You're like, ooh. And again, even as a 12-year-old, I was like, this is lame. Like, this isn't pushing us forward, right? This, is, this isn't mature. It's not mature storytelling. You know, like, oh, now they're eating some beetles. Okay. Um, I do think that there's a funny moment where short round has his mouth open just because he's so like his mouth open in shock and and his gum falls out. And I just think it's a really, it's a great bit of comedy. Like I I think that works, works really well. Then. So we have our gross out dinner. Then we go back to the, like the sleeping quarters. And this is sort of the pseudo, but not really sex scene where Indiana Jones comes to see Willie. She's sort of standoffish. He has an apple. You know, and he crunches it and she hears it and she's like, oh, my God, because they're starving. They haven't eaten anything. And then, of course, they they tease sex. Right. But then they they do this detente. They do this like, no, she'll go first. No, he'll go first. Detente, this sort of narcissistic detente where they both go to their separate rooms and each thinks the other's going to come for them. And of course, in James Bond style, Indiana Jones gets attacked in his room, right? He gets attacked by like a like an assassin. <laughs> and so he defeats the assassin. Then he runs over to Willie's room to check and see if it's okay. And she is, of course, does that thing where she's like, oh, I knew you'd come. Oh, but you're acting kind of weird. And as she talks, he's looking for like secret passage or seeing if there's any assassins in there and there's nobody. And he feels this wind and he goes to open a secret door. And of course, the secret door has like a carved female statue on it with like prominent boobs, right? And he pushes the boobs to like open the secret door. And while he's pushing them, you know, Willie, of course, points at her own boobs and goes, I'm here. I'm right here. Again, another funny one-liner sort of thing, a little funny moment, which is on the edge of slapsticky silliness. But so what? That one for me, it works. And I think... Part of the reason that I'm cool with that is it's like character building. It's like the two characters together. You know, you're you're hearing them have some sort of conversation, which is vaguely realistic. It's not just look at these special effects or look at this completely unbelievable stunt. You know, it's it's funny and it's lighthearted, but in the moment, like he's still actively looking for a trapdoor. You know, it makes sense to the scene. So then they go through the tunnel, the tunnel of a ton of bugs. Willie is accused of being too screamy, you know, by other people who watch this. And I get it. I think Kate Copshaw did a great job of the character. Again, I think all the actors did great, but it's the writing that is hurtful. She's supposed to be that screamy character. And it is one time too many. 
And by one time, I need, I mean, seven times too many. But they go through this tunnel and then they get to, they see the, the secret evil ritual. If you guys remember right there, it's the ritual for Kali. And you see the main guy with his like, it's like a bull skull. I don't know, some weird skull with like horns on it. And he's going like, Kalima, Kalima. And I got to tell you guys, in 1984, the summer of 1984, every like preteen kid was going, Kalima. <laughs> I remember doing that with my brother, with my friends. You know, you'd go, you'd go, Kalima. And then you'd start reaching for their chest, right? And why is this? Because we saw, um, in the movie just then, this is where the, the high evil priest takes the heart out of that guy, like pulls it out. Right. And then he gets put on this rack and he gets um, put down into the fiery pit below and the heart catches on fire, too. Right. At the same time. Kalima. Right. And so, of course, you would use this to torture others, which is what you've <laughs> I had this done to me. You guys do it's difficult 1980s childhood. <laughs> You would go to your friend when they're unsuspecting and you'd grab them and you'd go like Kalima and then you would take your fingers and just shove them in their chest. Right. Like you're actually trying to take their heart out and they'd be like, oh, God damn it, man. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> and then, of course, you'd have like bruises on your chest, you know, from the other dude's fingers. Uh, it's how we learned in earlier times. OK, it was learning. So. Anyway, we uh, we see this whole thing. The uh, Indiana Jones and Short Round and Willie are hiding as they see this. And then the ritual's over. And then Indiana Jones goes down there because he's going to grab the stones. And Willie's like, you could get killed, you know, and another one liner by Indiana Jones. He's like, maybe. But not today. That's a badass line. So. Indiana Jones, of course, gets captured and then they force him to drink the blood of the whatever of Kali or, you know, however it goes. And there's this long scene. And you guys, this part right here. This is where the movie for me slows down to such a crawl that I'm like, what were they thinking? I, I know that Steven Spielberg has largely complained he didn't like this. You know, it's like his least favorite. And, and I totally get him because I think. It feels like the directing is crappy, but it's Steven Spielberg. I, he must have his hands tied or it, it's got that feeling of 30 people worked on this. Oh, we must have. Oh, the studio needs this scene. Like it totally feels like that feels disjointed. And this too, sign of a bad movie. I bet you guys kind of forget parts right now. I bet you're flipping straight to the like mining car scene. But no, there's a. There's some this is like 20 minutes of this or more. I don't know where. So they're trying to get him to drink the blood and he's not. And then the evil little kid whip, whips out like a voodoo doll and starts stabbing the voodoo doll. And Indiana Jones starts going, ah. And so all of a sudden in this world, I guess voodoo dolls just work like they just work. I don't think a voodoo doll would have worked in Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know what I mean? If somebody in Raiders of the Lost Ark busted out a voodoo doll and stabbed it, Indiana Jones would have been standing there going like, what are you doing? Right. Because there was more believability. So it's like he's stabbing the voodoo doll. Indiana Jones going, uh, 
they're, then they whip him for a while and they're whipping short round two and they finally get him to drink it. It takes forever and a day. And then they've grabbed Willie and they're going to sacrifice Willie right now. They're just, they've revved it back up and they're going to do the same thing. And they're, they're putting her on the rack and they're going to bring her down to the fire again. It, it follows just every cliche trope. It's like, you know, it's going to happen, but it's not fun. Sometimes following cliches is super fun, right? James Bond does a million cliches, but you're waiting for it. There's certain steps you want to see. Indiana Jones has some of these too. And, and you're rewarded because you're a longtime viewer and you want to see them, right? But in this, it's like a slapstick. Like, like you know that they're going to crank her almost all the way back up. And then you know it's going to fall down again. And then you know it's going to come halfway up. And it just, it keeps going. And what's funny is... The chain and the whole mechanism is super slow anyway, so they can't speed it up. So it's like, oh, my God. OK, they're coming up again. Oh, God. And even the music is slow. It's like, oh, like that, like ominous evil people music. Slow down. I, I'm sorry. It's just it's so it's I believe the word is interminable. We're going to learn some words today on the pseudo archaeology podcast. Interminable, meaning taking frickin' forever. So up and down, up and down, up and down. Indiana Jones, since he's drunk the blood, is now like a zombie. He's zombie and Indiana Jones doing everything bad. But then short round is able to burn him, right? He has a fire. He has like a torch, burns Indiana Jones, and the burn snaps Indiana Jones out of it. So he he's out of it. Um, and then finally he's able to fight back. And I remember there's a line there where Indiana Jones says, let's get out of here. And the whole audience is going, yeah, if you mean let's get out of act two, I totally agree with you. So you're like, finally. And, but here we come. Um, they do release the kids. The good guys are now starting to win. Oh, the kids, by the way, are all slave laborers, right? They're all like these miners because they've all had to drink the blood of Kali and they're all like mindless zombies, just like digging for the other stones. They're supposed to be five stones and they only have three. But now two things have to happen that take doubly forever. First, there has to be a long ass fight with quote unquote, the big guy. Capital T, capital B, capital G. Every Indiana Jones movie, Indiana has to fight the big guy. So the big guy comes out and, he, and they fight and they fight and they fight and they fight. But in the middle of it, and only the most focused listeners would have seen this. They're fighting and then the big guy throws like a big, huge hammer. He just throws it away. And then they cut and it clunks on this other guy's head in like a slapstick comedy moment. <sighs> We're too mature for this crap. Like, I thought this was supposed to be a serious scene where Indiana Jones is trying to fight a guy much bigger than him. But you cut to have a jokey moment. I swear to God, you guys, you know how it feels to me? It feels like not like Steven Spielberg. It feels like George Lucas and the awful stuff he did in Phantom Menace. That feels like George Lucas's fingerprints. I could be totally wrong, but 
you know, just this, what is this drive for slapstick horribleness that's unfunny and unrealistic? Again, if that huge mallet actually hit that guy in the head for real, he would have been like instantly killed. You know, but no, he goes clunk and then he does the wiggly. I'm oh, I'm unconscious. I'm going to I'm going to be the most indicating actor ever. I'm sure they made him do it. You know, look at me. I'm wobbly. Oh, so they do this. And I know you're shocked when I tell you that Indiana Jones finally wins. They use the voodoo doll some more, but then short round beats up the bad little kid in order to get the voodoo doll. This then is where we have to get out of here and we get to the mining cart ride. You guys remember the mining cart ride? You may still be sitting there watching it because it goes on forever. And I swear to God, as a 12 year old, as I'm watching this, I'm like, huh, I wonder when they're coming out with the uh, theme park ride on this. I swear to God, I thought that in the theater because it's just like, okay, I see now you're trying to sell a ride of some kind. It just, it's so cynical, you know? And at this moment, is this where Indiana Jones becomes a franchise? You know, is this where it becomes a thing that has to sell to all arenas of selling, right? It can't just be a good movie, but it has to have this stuff in it so they can pull later, whether it be, you know, books or theme parks or action figures or whatever. It's just that cart ride takes forever. And we've already, they could have literally cut it all out, right? We've already had a big fight with the big guy, or they could cut out the big guy fight and go straight to an abbreviated mining cart. But the mining cart is of course, completely unbelievable, super fast. It just seems like a roller coaster, you know, and it's just dumb. Then there's a flood at the end. The, the, the big bad guy unleashes a bunch of water and then they get out, but they're on the side of a cliff. So they end up on the top of a cliff, basically. But they're out, which brings us to Act 3. And I'm going to talk about that when we return. All right. Hello and welcome back to the Pseudo-Archaeology Podcast, episode 132. And I am your host, Dr. Andrew Kinkella. We have been exploring Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And we are now at Act 3, the final. This is like where the heroes kind of fight back, right? It's the last bit of any movie. Again, if we're looking at something like Star Wars, very obvious act structure. Act 3 is, of course, the Death Star battle, right? So we have the equivalent of that in a way where we had we have to cross a bridge. Metaphorically and in reality, my friends. So. When we last left our heroes, they're at the top of this high cliff and there's this rickety bridge crossing a gorge that has a river way below that's full of crocodiles, of course. And I honestly I got no problem with this. I think that I think that act two of Temple of Doom is brutal. It's it's terrible. It's way too long. And it just bog, it just defines what bogged down is. You know, you don't even you get confused. You don't even really understand what's quite going on anymore. Like, I know they're trying to get out, but what what's going on at the very beginning of Act Three? Indiana Jones and crew are kind of running over to the bridge. And there's a moment there where there's two guys 
that have faced off against Indiana Jones and they both have swords. It's a callback to the one guy with the sword in the original Raiders movie that Indiana Jones just nonchalantly shoots. But the callback this time is he reaches over in the same nonchalant manner and his gun is missing. Right. A very fair joke. I like that. I thought that was fair. It was in the mythos of the Indiana Jones world. So why not? So he's still got He's got to run away. But anyway, they make it to the bridge. Again, act three. I think it goes okay. So as you remember, most likely Indiana Jones is in the middle of the bridge with bad guys sort of coming towards him on either side. He warns short round in probably Mandarin, I think is what he's speaking, that about what he's going to do next. And short round tells Willie and Willie's like, oh, no, oh, no. They start wrapping their arms and legs in the bridge itself because you realize Indiana Jones is going to cut the bridge. Right. And another famous quote, quote, short round, short run has so many of these. This is where Willie goes, oh, my God, he's nuts. And short round goes, he's not nuts. He's crazy. <laughs> it's awesome. Who, who's, who can't like that? Then he, of course, cuts the bridge and everyone falls right to, to either side. All our main characters, luckily for the story, all fall on one side, on the good side, on the side where they've crossed the bridge kind of side. But now they're dangling. And of course, the final sort of battle between Indy and the main bad guy happens. They beat each other up and down, you know, so you fall a little bit, then you catch yourself, then you fall a little, then you catch yourself as a bunch of hired henchmen and goons fall off and get eaten by crocodiles. Right. So finally, of course. Indiana Jones informs the main bad guy that he's about to go meet. Oh, no, I, I got this wrong. You know, sometimes I just talk with you guys and I get excited and I skip. When Indiana Jones first cuts the bridge, famous quote, he goes, you're about to meet Kali in hell. <laughs> Pretty good. So anyway, so he's beaten, beaten up the bad guy, right? He's beaten up the main bad guy. And um, he finally kicks him off. The bad guy, of course, has to have his extra horrible bad guy fall. Very James Bond, right? All the other henchmen just had a quick fall into the water and then a quick like crocodiles eating them in like one second. The main bad guy has to like skip off the edge of the wall, has to slam it a few times on the way down. And then finally he gets eaten, too. OK, then we bring the kids and everyone back home to the village Indiana Jones and Willie have just sort of a funny, lighthearted couple scene, which I think actually works. This is a trope in Indiana Jones where sometimes it's terrible, though. Sometimes their lighthearted couple scene in some other movies just doesn't work at all. But I think this one does. They just sort of sort of lightheartedly joke with each other, because, again, at this point, there's no tension anymore. Everything's cool. They're at the village. Everything's calm. They can joke and it's OK. It goes with the moment. So they joke. But then finally, the final scene, they have a big screen cliche in the best possible sense. Big screen kiss. And that's it. And then super famous Indiana Jones theme music plays. OK. So. What do I think of this? I think you guys got my feeling for this. It's mixed, right? My my view of Temple of Doom is no matter what, it's a very uneven movie. It's got some highs. I think the first act is really quite good. It's really fun. It's bright. It, it, it moves fast. It's creative. You 
or intro to the characters. Again, you get short round, which is one of the best psychics. You know, I think that short round does the very difficult job. You know, the actor K.Y. Kwan, who just won an Oscar, he does a good job of being a kid, but not being like cliche and terrible. Like he's a thoughtful, you know, smart addition to the adventure. And then, of course, Kate, Kate Capshaw as Willie Scott. Eh, you know, her, again, her acting is fine. The acting on all these guys, I think it's top notch. I think they're done in by the script, by weird, uneven asks. I'm guessing from the studio. I have no idea. But it, it just it's not really of a piece. It feels oddly stitched together by a corporation. So. When we watched this in 1984 as a 12 year old, me and my friends coming out of it, we were like, eh. It did feel like Indiana Jones kind of jumped the shark because stuff like the mining cart race, uh, you know, this is where Indiana Jones really lost its cool a little bit. You know, it it knocked it down a few notches. It does have great one liners. It does have some dramatic moments, which are nice. The stunts when they're kept normal are cool, like even the very simple in the beginning Look for the diamonds in all these pieces of ice all over the place. It's great, you know, creative and fun. It's at its worst when it has unbelievable stunts and the act to drag is is even for 1984. I'm like, how did this get on screen? What's funny is I've. I looked briefly online to other reviews of Temple of Doom, they're a lot different than mine. Like, like a lot of them are like, ooh, it's Indiana Jones's darkest film. I don't think so. I don't think it's dark. It's just sort of, I don't know. It's uneven more than it's dark. Like, I don't come away being like, ooh, boy, Indiana Jones, he's, he's hard. He probably has a lot of tattoos. He's hardcore. I, I, I don't get that. And I didn't get it at the time. You know, I just, I thought, I thought it hurt the brand of Indiana Jones a little bit, you know, I don't think it's God awful. I just think it's middling, you know, which is sometimes the harshest criticism of all. So in terms of my ranking of the five Indiana Jones movies, it's funny. I did this before several months ago when I did Indiana Jones. What was it? I don't know. Six months ago when I did Indiana Jones five and I think rank, the ranking is still easy. At the top is, of course, the first one or the third one, depending on your vibe. It's either Raiders of the Lost Ark or it's Last Crusade. I definitely vote number one on the top because Last Crusade, even though it's it's a pretty good movie, it does break some of those tonal things. The, the airplane through the tunnel scene in Last Crusade, it's pretty terrible. Raiders doesn't have any of that. So those are at the top. And then at the bottom is, of course, Indiana Jones 4, right? That one is just, it was such a letdown after not seeing Indiana Jones for so long. And eh, I watched, you know, I watched it again. I think I did it for this podcast and it was, uh, it just, it was, it was sad. In the middle, you have five and two. And I think it's a really tough battle royale, royale as which one of these I would rank third and which one of these I'd rank fourth. Having had some time to let Indiana Jones 5 Dial of Destiny uh, sink in, I 
think at this moment I go one, three, five, two, four. I think I like Dial of Destiny a bit better than this one. It's very close. I, I will tell you this. If you said, Andrew, you need to sit in a room right now and watch one of these two movies. I'm going to lock you in here and make you watch one of these two movies. Which one do you watch? Uh, Indiana Jones 5 by a mile. And I know Indiana Jones 5 has its problems, but it's there are aspects of movie making that do improve a little in what is that 40 years, you know? And I do think Indiana Jones five has his problems. I'm not, I'm not defending it wholeheartedly, but it moves a little, uh, a little better than this one. It still has act two problems, but Indiana Jones five does feel really long, but this one counts in at two hours. Indiana Jones five is two and a half. They both feel horrifically long. <laughs> so I don't know what that says, but at the at the end. And again, my 12 year old self, my burgeoning teenager self. Didn't think this was super, super cool and did intro me, unfortunately, to things like the cynicism of Hollywood. <laughs> right. That's what I got. And my friends were kind of like, eh, OK, they're selling this for the fact of selling it to us right it, it just felt like the quality had slipped and it, it wasn't some sort of focused cool fun adventure thing it was for the sale for the biggest quote unquote audience possible you know and going for that don't work too well and with that and with the knowledge of I want to go to the broadest possible audience. So just realize that as I make fun of Temple of Doom, that uh, I want everyone to listen to me. OK, so it's their problem that they tried for a really general audience. All right. So I'm bummed that they do that. But for me, no, no, no. That makes me cool. I'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast. Please like and subscribe wherever you like and subscribe. And if you have questions for me, Dr. Andrew Kinkella, feel free to reach out using the links below or go to my YouTube channel, Kinkella Teaches Archaeology. See you guys next time. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Rachel Roden. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.